0: So, we will end this hour of the program on time, exactly when we said we would. But in other aspects of life, not so much. Have we overstayed, for instance, in the war in Afghanistan?
1: We can say with confidence
0: that America will complete its mission in Afghanistan and achieve our objective of
1: defeating the core of Al Qaeda.
0: But by when exactly? It's America's longest war, prolonged as we've seen in part by its own inertia, a pitfall for generals, presidents, And a deep emotional toll taken on soldiers defending territory in Afghanistan named for fallen colleagues. There's combat outpost Keating, observation post Fritchie, named after Ryan Fritchie, combat outpost Lowell, named after Jacob Lowell. None of these places exist anymore as American camps, but it became more difficult for the U.S. to leave because they didn't want to be doing a disservice to their fallen brothers. That's CNN anchor Jake Tapper speaking on this program earlier this hour. This idea of staying when the rewards are uncertain and the harm is absolutely clear. It's a problem for many facets of life. Staying in a bad situation, easy to regret in hindsight, hard to change in the middle of it all.
1: Hi, my name is Kurt.
0: I'm calling from New Jersey. I uh, once had a boss who called me up frantically that we were going to miss our product launch date. So I went to his house. He lived about an hour and a half from me, only to arrive to find out that he wanted me to babysit for him. This actually happened a couple of times. Happened a couple of times. He didn't leave the job. We'd love your story of staying long past the point when your losses were certain, when you justified your actions by not walking away from what are called sunk costs, or tell us when you left the table and walked away from a situation that was deteriorating ahead of time. The sunk cost fallacy, it's called, Joining us to explain it is Daniel Molden, associate professor of social psychology at Northwestern University, who specializes in what's called motivated judgment decision making. Daniel, welcome to the program.
1: Hello, John. Thanks for having me. This is
0: a real difficult one, whether you're in a bad job or whether you're in a bad valley in Afghanistan, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's really difficult because it turns out there's a lot of reasons why people get invested once they've made a decision, once they've actually made a choice and if it' started to go wrong, they they get stuck in it, because experiencing loss fundament- fundamentally changes our psychology. We start thinking about things different when we start to uh, have these sorts of negative experiences, and that the way it changes your psychology tends to get you stuck in that in that mindset, uh, for example, you know losses have more immediate consequences. Um, for us than sort of missed opportunities. So if we do something and it's going wrong, we're experiencing that as very strongly, whereas we're not able to think about, you know, what we're missing out on by, by not changing course. It's 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 hard for us to sort of envision this uncertain future. It's very easy for us to envision that certain loss that, that we're dealing with right now. And what that does to our psychology is it is it gets us very focused on doing whatever we can to just erase that loss. We just want to we want it to go away. We want to dig ourselves out of that, that hole. And what that often leads us to do is keep throwing time and money and, and effort just to try to get ourselves back to where we started without realizing that it it might be better to just walk away. Uh, use those resources to, to, to try to, to, to get to, to get something else, to, to, to take this new opportunity that might be available.
0: The best quality decisions, uh, psychologists say, are the ones that are detached, that come with uh, an emotional neutrality. Yet every time you experience a loss in a decision of your own making, even if it wasn't your own making, you suddenly have a stake in erasing the loss. You suddenly lose your sense of objectivity. Is there a way to detach? Is that what's going on here?
1: Uh, that is another another big factor. So not only it's sort of our loss is really uh, emotionally arousing, but there there is also this uh, aspect of I've I've committed to this this thing. I've I've I'm publicly made this decision, or if if only to myself, I've I've committed to this this course of action, and I also don't like to admit that that I that that's gone wrong. So so it, it sort of makes me feel bad about myself if. I you know acknowledge, okay, this was a this was a bad choice. Or, you know, if I'm a manager, I would rather not admit to all my colleagues and 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 you know supervisors that that I made a bad choice. So so that yes, that that emotional threat itself also compounds in. So there's there's a couple ways that sort of have been have been found that to at least take the edge off that enough that you can maybe turn it around and, and, and change course. And one is because you're experiencing this sort of threat, this this threat to your own worth or your own competence. Is, as a decision maker, when you, when you've made this mistake, if there's a way to restore that feeling of competence, um, outside of that decision that you've made, if sort there's a way to sort of get yourself to realize, you know what, I'm actually good at lots of other things. And so sort of this one mistake or this one choice doesn't define who I am or, or how good I am, um, at my job, how good I am at life. And so if you can sort of bolster your feeling of competence in an, in an entirely different domain, that can, uh, Reduce the the emotional consequences of that one bad decision enough that you can p- perhaps achieve this this detachment again, and and you're able to, to to shift course. So we've actually we've done we've done research where where we can we do that to people. We get them to think about ways in which they're good at other things, and that does uh, a lot of the break out of this cycle a bit.
0: All right. Well, Daniel, let's listen to a couple of listeners who who really bring this disheartening sense of digging yourself deeper in, into their relationships and, and some of their sort of work situations. Let me play you a couple of voices here. Here's a Natasha from uh, South Florida.
1: I have in relationships and work because I didn't know how to value myself enough and say I deserve better. It's a constant lesson and a crucial one. Yeah, that, I mean that is that's quite close to to what I was I was just talking about. So that if you sort of you know really get locked into the sense that that this mistake has defined you and is sort of is is um, is threatening your your feelings of sort of worth as a person, it it feels like the only course of action is to sort of just keep plugging away until you can maybe erase that loss until you can sort of you know if I just hold on, maybe things will get better and they'll turn around and I won't have to you know, you know, make this clear conclusion that that uh, I didn't do something right or so that I'm, I'm just not doing well here. Um, whereas, you know, if you can if you can find a, a separate source of worth sort of outside of that decision that you've made or just just sort of step back and realize that that one decision doesn't define the whole of who you, who you are, that that sort of can help you move forward. That is who's, sort of- who's
0: good at this. Who's good at doing this?
1: Um, there's, you know, people who, who have a high self, uh, high sense of self-worth initially that sort of helps them. It has that extra buffer. So there are people who, if they, if you genuinely feel bad about your, yourself and sort of then, then any kind of, you know, new mistake is just going to compound that. So there are people who just generally have more confidence, um, are able to sort of not let, uh, each, each one of those things, um, trip them up. and and the another sort of group of people who are able to get around this are people that sort of actually are are uh, don't allow themselves to get too focused on on losses in general. So you know remember I said so sociopaths
0: losses, so sociopaths are good at this. That's, that's, um,
1: f- yes, perhaps actually. sociopaths probably would be good at this, but but thankfully, you don't have to be a sociopath to, to to not have that that loss focus. There are some people who are able to sort of keep themselves in a mindset that involves thinking about, well, what, you know, what are my opportunities here?
0: So if you're already in a hole, you just keep digging. Thanks to Daniel Molden, associate professor of social psychology at Northwestern University. A lot of you want to talk about this. Miami, Florida. Yes, I stayed in the situation because of the lesser of two evils fallacy, meaning my work conditions sucked, but it was better than being unemployed. Thanks for that. This listener agrees expenses are keeping me in a job I dislike, but until I'm financially viable to quit and pursue my passion, I have to stay. Stayed married 27 years, Charlotte, North Carolina, wanted to ensure children were raised in one home. South Carolina, though, I stayed in a marriage for almost 15 years beyond what I knew was healthy out of pure fear, fear of others and fear of hurting others emotionally. Give us your story at eight seven seven eight mytake my Send us a tweet at The Takeaway. Catch up on that conversation or listen back to anything on the program. Check us out at thetakeaway.org. Happy Monday. Thanks so much for listening. I'm John Hockenberry. This is The Takeaway.